following podcast contains strong language and adult themes, including discussions around gambling and physical violence. Sounds great, doesn't it? But if that doesn't sound like your cup of tea, feel free to put on a less entertaining and less insightful podcast of your choosing. And you are very welcome to the latest episode of Octagon Odds. We are, what, five days removed from UFC 271. Whole host of news to go through from that card, um, including the champion and still for Israel Adesanya. Um, we're also going to talk about some of the latest news um, in the world of MMA, some of the latest fights that have been announced, some of the major stories going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And we're going to be previewing UFC Vegas 48, which was due to be Rafael Fiziev against Rafael Dos Anjos. And instead, that's now the undercard, um, the co-main in the Masvidal Covington card that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. So instead, in the main event, it's Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker's second UFC main event in a row. There's no Ross Beaumont this week. He's hiding in shame after his bets from last week. <laughs> we do have George Hardy, who didn't make a profit, but did land a winner or two. On Saturday night, I just back. Yeah, well, we can't win them all, but at least I can win some. So, tell that to Ross. But Ross, Ross, is in, Ross would have loved to be here, but he's in Krakow, Poland right now. So, the boys. Yeah, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's having a much better time. Um, than we are, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he's going to listen. Maybe a bit, we can. He can listen on his on his. Maybe we leave a bit of an Easter egg in here, Ross. If you actually listen to the podcast. Send us a message saying I listen to the podcast, and if you don't send it, then we know you don't listen. So yeah, that's going to be a big one if he turns up next week and he's not listening <laughs> to this week's podcast. The treachery, um, mate. Talk to me. UFC two seventy one in the rearview mirror. We've got to start with the main event, really. Haven't we? we talked about how high level it was going to be? And to be honest, it played out pretty much exactly how we all thought it was going to really didn't the main event Israel Adesanya um obviously retained his UFC middleweight crown um by a unanimous decision um some cards had I think a couple of cards had it three rounds to two I think one of the cards had it four rounds to one um George how did you see the main event yes yeah, very close which <clears throat> like you said we kind of kind of put that to its name like, like last week we we said that um well we knew Rob was going to come out uh, we all believe that Izzy's the best in that division, but we knew Rob was going to come out better, and he, and he did. Um, but it still wasn't enough, which is kind of like he said exactly what we said was going to happen. So I believe uh, like Izzy won it, um, even though there's, there's there's doubters out there. But I feel like I always knew he was going to win that. But it was a good fight overall, and Wick is just that guy, and he's like the best apart from Adesanya. It's just a it's just a shame for him that he's not the best because in a different era, he, w- he would be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like we said last week, I called him the Andy Murray um, of mixed martial arts, and I stand by that, that if Israel doesn't exist, then Rob Whitaker's probably the reigning defending, undisputed middleweight champ still, you know, several yeah. times under his belt. But unfortunately, he's just not as good as Israel Adesanya. And I think, obviously, Izzy proved it again on Saturday night. I think... The first, it was a weird fight because I think the first round was obviously significant in the fact that Izzy got knocked down. And as like the commentary team rightly pointed out at the end of round one, Rob sort of looked a bit flummoxed at the end of round one. It was like, yeah. oh, right now what? But then from then on, like he put in a much better performance. He mixed in the wrestling a bit better. He obviously got some takedowns, but 
didn't really advance the position. It never really felt like Izzy was in danger mm-hmm. at any point um, on the ground. And he didn't really land any like ground and pound or anything um, of note either. So I sort of get why maybe he came away and at the time and thought, you know, I've landed all these takedowns. Like I've been the one, you know, because Izzy is a, is a not a defensive fighter, but he fights, you know, he's a counter striker. Mm-hmm. So... Whitaker was the one doing a lot of the the pressing and, and and setting the tempo of the fight in a lot of ways, um. So yeah, I could sort of see it, but yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I scored it, um, four rounds to one for Izzy, um. But yeah. I could see why you could score it three rounds to two. Yeah, like I said that's literally what we said last week in terms of Robert mixing the wrestling, maybe nick a round or two. But yeah, that's what we said. <laughs> Izzy Izzy would have the skills that he would need to come through, and yeah. In the end, that was that, really, wasn't it? And it was, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a fight of the year contender, but it was, as we predicted, when it like high level mixed martial arts. Yeah, both incredible fighters, but um, Izzy just, just seems to have the edge. And like I said, um, don't be surprised if he's good in this, like, not on the ground or good in the clinch or whatever, but he scrambles just, just like, he's just a pretty hard guy to keep hold of. And he, like, he just, like, seems like a, like, he's very slippery to, 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 to grab hold of. You can't, you can't really pin him down. And when you do, he flails about and somehow roll, like, he, he, he doesn't accept being on his, on his back or accept takedowns uh, without a fight. Like, he's not going to accept that getting taken down and being on his back. He's got to scramble, isn't he? and he, and he's quite good yeah. at that now. So, it, that was very visible, I feel like. But that was a and do you know what? As well, I said it's going to be similar to I said, I did say this. I said it's going to be similar to the way that Gaslin wrestled him in the way that it's like fast, fast paced wrestling. And it did yeah. sort of turn out that way. Like it was like Rob obviously was getting the better of him in some ways, but Izzy was dealing with it quite well. You know what I reckon? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And I think. I, I, we mentioned it again last week, just about how calm Adesanya is now as well. Like he just, you know, doesn't rush anything. Like I think maybe a more youthful Izzy, it goes for, you know, goes for the finish when Rob gets knocked down at the end at the end of the first and like rushes in, but he doesn't do that anymore. Like he knows um, he can win by decision um, if he needs to, and if he can't find the finish, then he can outpoint his opponents. Like you say, he's he's a lot better all round now than he was three years ago. Like he's, his wrestling's improved, takedown defenses improved. When you do get him down, he's very hard to keep down at middleweight. Only Blokovic we've seen is the only person who's been able to really just lie on him. Um, you know, we've seen Vittori, who's a very good wrestler. He's tried and failed. We've seen Whitaker, who's a very good wrestler. He's tried and failed. You know, we've seen, like you mentioned, Kelvin Gastelum. He's tried and failed now. So I, I really think the, the middleweights of you know are going to struggle to to keep now. I can't think of anyone at that in that weight class. Yeah. People throwing about Hamzat as maybe someone who could out wrestle Izzy, but Hamzat is obviously at the minute fighting at one seventy. He's obviously already he has fought at middleweight in the UFC, but whether he would be big and strong enough to hold Izzy down from as you know someone who can fight one seventy. Like, there's no way. Adesanya or Whitaker could fight 170. Well, Whitaker used to fight 170 as well, I guess. Yeah, but, but he yeah. he was much more. He was drained, so he was shouldn't be. He shouldn't have been fighting that way. I feel like for Whitaker, because that's when he was a bit. He was a bit more like. I know he definitely got better when he went up to middleweight, but. Yeah. So, uh, uh, do you think 
we move on to kind of who's next and obviously that that also takes us a bit further down the card to the the Derek Brunson Jared Cannonier fight Cannonier um, went into this as the favourite we were a bit sceptical on it last yeah, week yeah we were we were very sceptical on it and then I was up to the point of well the this knockout was <laughs> <laughs> well everything was going great for us until the, De- the Derek Brunson giant crowd in their fight about six minutes in because obviously Brunson got he got two knockdowns did he mm-hmm. um in round one and round one arguably could have been a 10-8 round for Brunson yeah um and then he comes back takes him down again at the beginning of round two yeah but then the pace from Brunson just seemed to fall off completely. yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, he just gassed? I don't know. That's a weird one. Did he take a blow from Cannonier that put him off a little bit? On the commentary team, there was um, like a big elbow that um, Cannonier yeah. had thrown when they were breaking from the clinch. Like on the break, he'd thrown a big right elbow um, that landed on the chin. And I don't know whether that was what caused it, but it seemed to coincide with... But to be honest, towards the end of round one, a little bit, Brunson's striking mm. just didn't seem as crisp as it was. It's a weird um, one now because he's not known for like gassing. Bad weight cut, long... maybe. Maybe it seems a bit dodgy, didn't it? Because, like I said, he's not like a he's not known for bad cardio. He's fought long fights before. So, where did that happen? Go in. Yeah, and like you would have expected him to. He knew he was going to go in there and literally was throwing, you know, takedown attempt after takedown attempt. So he knew his strategy was to go in there and try and wrestle. So you think he would have been trained to. Okay, we're going in there. We're wrestling for fifteen minutes. Like mm. we've got, we've got to condition ourselves for that. So mm. maybe it was just a bad weight because he just didn't look right, did he? No, you can t- you can sort of tell when a fighter doesn't look right, can't you? Like yeah. um, when they're not themselves. So maybe it's one of them for Brunson because obviously, like we said last week, he was he's been killing before that, and he and he'd not really shown a sign of weakness. So um, I think back on the horse, and I think. Not to say Cannonier got lucky, but I think it was like the 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 best the perfect punch in the moment. Um so yeah, all due respect to Cannonier. Like it's a it's a big win from him. He needed to go out there and make a statement if he wanted to be, you know, he did. if he's gonna yeah, be he next. Wrong. If, if he's gonna be next for the fight for the belt, he needs to make a statement. And obviously <laughs> I think that by everything that that Izzy said since everything that Dana said since that he's the next guy. Um, because obviously we sort of touted to be the next guy before he lost to Whitaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's come back with two wins, beat Gastelum. Um, now he's beating Brunson, who was the sort of the next cab off the yeah. block, really, wasn't he? Yeah. Was, um, yeah. the only, you know, the other only other really contender in there is Sean Strickland. I think it's number six mm-hmm. ranked at the minute, and Cannon is ahead of him now. Um, so yeah, I think it makes sense to be Cannonier. Izzy says he wants to fight at least three times this year, so there's a potential yeah. of fights Cannonier and Strickland. Um, the work rate this on year, that anyway, yeah. I mean, of course, I mean, that's what you, you sort of we take for granted about Izzy as well like how many how active he's been, how many fights he's in. You know I mean? It's only like a little over three years since he made his debut, and he's he's had like what 15 16 UFC appearances now. Mm. Yeah, he's a killer, and he, he just yeah, we're, we're blessed to have him, and he's going to go down in the, the the history books. I feel when it's all said and done, I can't see the train slowing down now. 
Can't see Cannonier um, giving him a giving him a run for his money. Um, obviously, no. it's not going to be one of those where Cannonier leans on his wrestling, is it? He's going to. I think Cannonier is the perfect fight for Izzy. Like that's the perfect type of fighter that Izzy wants to fight in it. Like a shorter, less reach guy that's kind of trying to rely on his striking. Like that is just breakfast. That is breakfast for Adesanya. You know what I mean? Stay on the outside, pick him off, counter him. Job done. That could be a one round. That could be a first round or second round of that. I reckon. Yeah, it could be a, a Paulo Costa <laughs> type job. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah, complete, yeah. Complete working over from start to finish, and yeah, I, 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 there just isn't anyone there that can really challenge him. I don't think is there. Nah, but Brunson would have been personally, even with the loss of hard. It will be a harder challenge trying to stand you because I do believe Brunson. He did say he was only going to do two more fights, actually, didn't he? So yeah, maybe to be honest, in the aftermath, it sounds like. He sounds like he's pretty much done because he's gonna, you know, he's gonna have to go away and rebuild if he wants to fight for the belt. So yeah, maybe um, he just fights one more time, you know, against uh, somebody a bit more favourable potentially. You know, you could throw him in there. He talked a lot about um, maybe fighting Darren Till, I think, in the past, hasn't he? So that could be a fun one to go out on, or or maybe like him, him and Gastelum, like that'd be fun. Yeah, he's a. Yeah, I mean, from what it sounds like, from what he said personally, it sounds like he might be done. But they always, a lot of people, a lot of them say that. So, but okay, so that's middleweight, pretty comprehensively um, boxed off. The other one, um, the other, there's a couple of other points I wanted to talk about. The big one, tie to Avassa, mate. Bam, bam, to Avassa goes into the Again. hometown of Derek Lewis and KOs him, flatlines him. Face down for Derek Lewis. It was a big right elbow that finished the job. How impressive was Ty? Very impressive, and once again proved us wrong. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we aren't we aren't always wrong, but the 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 card was a surprising card. Apart from the main event, which which we which we got right. Um, because you just can't ever bet against Izzy, but yeah, I mean, we call it wrong. But I think any like if you if you looked at the stats and you looked at what was go- what was going on before the card, you'd make the same educated guess as we did. But listen, get get it, we're wrong. All right, we're wrong. Tyson Vasa has a chin made of st- some sort yeah, of mineral out of the universe that we've not even discovered yet, and. Um, Derek Lewis just so who can who can take punches off Derek Lewis? I've never uh, seen anyone like that. Like do when in at the end of round it. one, the you know, the the hooks when he was sort of covering up tie and it was like five or six. No one takes those from Derek Lewis and just keeps walking forward like it's not. Them islanders, mate, they're built differently than them islanders. It's like genetically, I don't know what it is, but they're just stronger. Mm. People he grew up as he grew up as he grew up as Mark Hunt's sparring partner. So I reckon he's taken some pretty hard shots yeah. in his day. Um, and Mark Hunt's the same. Like obviously, he got knocked out a few times. And Tervas has been dropped. I'm sure, but it just it's just something about the way that they're built that they just can't. I don't know. Got a chin on them. They're tough, tough bastards. That's five KO wins in a row for Ty Tuivasa. He leapfrogs. Derek Lewis into number three in the heavyweight rankings. We're talking about crazy potential title fight soon, aren't we? We're not far. Yeah, away, well, he was. was oh, you, sorry, I just banged my elbow. Oh, funny bone. Funny bone. Yeah, yeah which is a nerve, nothing funny about that's not, it, is there? That's that's not my fact of the day, but the funny bone's a nerve. 
but that that's another fact for you. So you get two facts now. Um, no worries. What, there's a, a bone in your elbow called the humerus. No, it it is, but that's not what triggers the feeling of the funny bone. No, 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 no. But that's yes. why they call it the funny bone, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Anyway, but anyway, back to what? back to the mixed martial arts tied to Avassa number three. In Before the we start talking about pseudo pseudo science. <laughs> Uh, only Stipe Mirjic and Cyril Garn ahead of Ty Tuvasa in the rankings now and he was on Ty, Ty was on a losing streak before this winning streak wasn't he three, he, three I think three, he lost three, three in a row yeah and then won row, five and now, now he's won five in a row by KOTK it's another one of those so something's happened yeah. yeah yeah. another one of those UFC stories though, isn't it? one of the things that has happened is he's moved his whole camp to Dubai um, out of Sydney, so out of his hometown, into Dubai, yeah. like okay. out, away from the distractions of being like a celebrity in Sydney, like away yeah. from the the distraction. We know that the guy obviously loves a drink, like yeah, <laughs> Um, so I think it sounds like that's helped him a lot, just to focus on the fighting and, and realize that he does have the kind of skills that you need to to make like a real good go, potentially be make a good heavyweight, an iron chin and a strong punch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's not enough these days. He's like, he's not beating on Garnu, is he? Do you know what I mean? Is he? No, I mean, no. My no. head says no. No, you know like, he's not. Like, I don't think he's, he's technically not. good enough to beat Ngarnu. Because <laughs> I think if he if he goes into a firefight with Ngarnu, I mean. <laughs> Take my money, Dana. <laughs> to be yeah, honest. I'd love to see it. Yeah, but because, he's not like, that fight in any 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 aspects. I don't think. No, but it'd be get explosive. Yeah, it someone bloody good. Yeah, he'd be asleep. Someone's going to sleep. Probably tied to Vasa. But um, do you throw him in there well, like Cyr- Cyril Garn, or do you put Garn and Miocic together? Garn and, and Miocic. That's the one I want. That's the heavyweight. That's the dream heavyweight fire I know, personally. So what does Ty do then? Um, who else have we got in that division? Ty's number three. Curtis Blades is number four. He doesn't want to. Doesn't need to fight down though, Ty. Does he? Derek Lewis is number five, and he's just beaten him. Um, Alexander Volkos number six, and obviously he's booked against Tom Aspinall um, in UFC London. Um, Jarzinho number seven. Like you say, doesn't want to. Does he need to fight down at this point? I think maybe the winner of. Um, but who did you just say? Sorry. Um, we're talking about Volkov and Tom Aspinall. Volkov, Volkov and Aspinall. Yeah, of course, in UFC London. They, uh, the winner of those two, maybe, maybe that's like a, just like a like a qualification fight. I hope I hope they don't throw Aspinall in there with him. I want Aspinall to work his way to a title shot, and I don't. Aspinall want to. might. Be good enough. You don't think so? It could just we'll easily get it could just easily get slept by Ty. That's the worry. Yeah, I can see Volkov beating Aspinall. I can see Volkov yeah. beating Ty as well on, on a on a good day. So yeah, I rate Volkov highly, man. I think he's got he's obviously not the biggest in that division, but he's technically excellent. He's got a lot of potential. Like if he can tidy it all up, not stop making some stupid mistakes. He's got a lot of potential, definitely. It'd be good to see him up there. I got a feeling he's gonna be one of the guys, you know, as it goes forward. If Mbarnu sticks around, it will be him and Garn and and maybe like Volkov. But I, I, if if he doesn't, it's gonna be maybe Garn, Johnny Volkov. maybe Johnny Jones. Nah, he's not coming back. What makes you think he's coming back? Just because they keep talking about it. 
at the minute, like he keeps coming up, him and Stipe and um, yeah, but he's always been coming up and like yeah, he, yeah. I mean, he's a twitter warrior, isn't he? but we can dream. Um, John Jones likes to sit at home. Jones against Jones against Stipe. Yeah. Tweet about beating people on Twitter at the and, moment. That's what he does. And, and beat his wife up. And beat his wife. Do you understand his tweet where it was like, um, happy birthday to John Jones? Or, oh, no, no, it was like John Jones wrapping rap, his present for his wife on Valentine's Day. It's him wrapping his fists for a fight. Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> <Looks> sake. <laughs> it was horrible, but that's so easy, that idea. That is so easy. <laughs> I think as long as you call John Jones out on being a scumbag, then it's fine by me because the man's a scumbag. I don't care what anyone says. Like he's a great fighter, potential potential goat, but not a goat to me because of all not the a goat human being. He's definitely human, um, but a bad one. So yeah. he's it like yeah, agreed. Speaking of bad human beings, should we run through the spreadsheet and just? Go through, Scott. I've got one more point that I want to talk about from USC 271, but it's a great segue into yeah. the news. So I'm going to leave it and we'll do the spreadsheet and then we'll come back to that if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, should we start? Should we talk about Ross first because he's not here? Yeah, let's talk about him negatively. Not a good night for Ross, really, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> five bets, all losers. Um, mm. Yeah, Brunson v. Cannonier, Arlovsky v. Vandera, Modafferi v. O'Neill to go the distance, and Lewis v. Two of Assa not to go the distance. Um, so, unfortunately, Arlovsky and Vandera let him down, and Brunson and Cannonier let him down. Um, he had Whitaker by decision, which obviously lost. Um, Lewis, Brunson, and Izzy to win, which obviously lost. Um, you can see where this is going. Um, he had Brunson to win, which obviously lost. And he had Lewis and Izzy to win by KO TKO at four to one, which also lost, which unfortunately takes what was the leader, um, well, the least worst anyway, at minus 5.2 to minus 55.2 units now, takes him from first place to last place because George Hardy, your bets from Saturday night. Yes. Do you want me to do it or do you want to do it yourself? You no, you go ahead and you go ahead, list them off. So again, five bets from you. Um, you had O'Neill to win by KO, um, mm-hmm. which obviously went to decision, so it lost. Mm-hmm. You had Izzy Lewis Cannoneer by decision at a hundred to one, um, which lost kind of in all sorts of ways, really, didn't it? Yeah. Um, but hundred to one, fair enough, worth a point. Yeah, I had to send it, ladies and gentlemen. You also had Derek Brunson to win um, at 13 to yeah. 10, like we <laughs> yeah. all did, that lost. Yeah. Um, you also, we, like we all did, had Izzy, Lewis and Brunson treble 4 to 1, which lost. Um, again, very familiar picture, but you changed the pace for us with the main event. You had Israel deciding to win by decision at 7 to 4, which yeah. landed you 17.5 units of profits and took your score to the night. To minus twenty two point five for the evening, right? So not perfect, not perfect, but at least you did. You had a winning bet, and you yeah. in overall total wise, you went from minus twenty to minus forty two point five. So you started the night in second place, and you ended the night in second place. It's just the person in first place has jumped you, and that person yeah. is, of course, this guy, me. right? Um, but I'm not bragging too much because 
at the end of the day. Hey, you've got the right. You've got the right. I made 1.5 units of profit on the night. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a great night for us, but I was that profit is profit, as we've said. That should be the motto of this show, probably. Yeah, profit is profit. Yeah, I can back profit that because overall it adds up. So. Sky Bet must be quaking in their boots because I put a fiver on each of these bets. So on Sky Bet, I made 75p profit on the night. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm surprised they've not shut my account, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's just respectful to like the. Yeah. yeah. That's too. That's that's a lot of money to take from the bookies. Um, but I'll run through him quickly. I had Derek Brunson to win, um, thirteen to ten, which lost. I had Le- Derek Lewis to win by KO TKO, which lost. Um, I had Derek Lewis in round two. Obviously, it only went to round two, so I was on the right lines. That was uh, thirteen to two. That lost. Um, I had Izzy Lewis and Brunson to win as we all did treble. That lost. Um, I had an eight fold, which I think five out of eight legs came in. Um, the ones that didn't, uh, Lewis, Brunson, and... Oh, I think that was it. Me, two, two, two me, yeah. yeah, two Let legs. down by Lewis seven. and Brunson. Um, and then my two winning bets were Israel Adesanya to win by decision at seven to four. And I had Phillips v. Rojo, Lewis v. Two of Us at under 2.5 rounds, and Bobby Grievous, Nazrat Hatparast, and Roxanne Madaferi against Casey O'Neill um, over 2.5 rounds, which landed for me at 3.4 to 1, uh, which, yeah, overall took me to 71.5 units on the night, which was £1.50's worth of profit. So I took a risk by putting seven bets on, and probably in the end dodged a bullet because with my <laughs> profit, I go from minus 31.6 units to minus 30.1 units, which <laughs> because of the failure of my colleagues is currently the leader, the, the clubhouse leader. Um, Standards are set. The bar is high. Do you want me to bring some positivity? Because I've got... I'd love to hear some positivity right now, yeah. So, thankfully, I finished 2021 um, 149 units in the green, which means my overall octagon odds score oh, is... This. Well, we can't... There's a bit... You told you wanted some positivity, so we'll bring it. It's plus 119 units. So, that's good. Your overall total is plus 16.5 units. So you're still in the green as well. Yeah. And do you want the best news yet? Yeah, go on, I'm excited. Uh, Ross Beaumont's in the green as well. He's plus 5.2 units. 5.2 units. So Ross is definitely the one you should listen to the least. Based off off what's going on so far. So, yeah. So that's the scores on the doors. Unfortunately, Ross is not here. So there's no bets from him this week. Um, So that blow as well. Yeah, and to be honest, the way things are going for us, that might be the best thing he could probably do. He could end up in the lead next week. Do you know what? You've made me believe it's strategical. The man's taking a holiday to Krakow so they didn't have to get on the sheet because he's losing. Yeah. (laughs) He must not have had any bets. He's like, okay, I'm going to get (laughs) it. Shit, I'm going to go Krakow. (laughs) Right, shall we do some news, George? Let's do some news. Do you want me to start or do you want me to start? I had a segue for the news, which was obviously that on the UFC 271 card, how impressive was our man, Bobby Green, in his mm. decision win against Nazrat Hakparas. He slipping, diving, classic boxing stance, put on a real show. 
I mentioned the Bobby Green shoulder roll last week, and he he's yeah, just he, he, was, he was on it. My guy's on it. Like well, me and you, I definitely believe rated Bobby Green. I feel Ross yeah. was a bit on the fence, but yeah, the the man showed up, and he seems to be reinvigorated. I don't know where that's come from because it's not it's not even like his style's changed massively. It just seems like you know, he just seems to be doing it all better. <laughs> yeah, like just maybe it's just experience and and knowing what to do when. But there was a lot of talk after about should Bobby Green, you know, get, he deserves for his body of work, he deserves a, a UFC fight night main event. Well, and obviously we're moving on to the news here. Unfortunately, um, next week's card was due to be Benil Dariush against Islam Makachev in the lightweight division. And unfortunately, Dariush is sent a serious ankle injury in training, um, which will require surgery. So he was forced to withdraw. So I went to sleep. Um, not thinking it was, you know, Islam against Benil. I woke up, the Islam-Benil fight was off. Not only did that happen, they then found out that Bobby Green steps in on 10 days' notice and just two weeks after his fight against Nazrat Hakparas will be in the main event against Islam Makachev. What a bad man. Yeah, it's a badass thing to do. What? What? When was the last time this happened? Was it like this big? I don't know. Someone, someone did this... I remember someone doing this. But it was Bisping, he filled in someone and had a re- last minute. Yeah. Hamza two weeks had a after really he fought someone. Yeah, Hamza had, had a really tight turnaround. Remember, he did back-to-back cards on Fat Island. Um, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this was, that was it. Bisping fought GSP and lost and then fought like Gaston about two weeks later and got knocked out. I feel like I remember that. So, um, Chaz Skelly is what another one that's done 13 days, so... Bobby Green will equal that record. Um, fighting 13 days apart, which that's an exciting one to exciting, exciting, exciting one to think about. So, I mean, I feel the like Hamza, that one will... the Hamza example, he literally smashed the guy in the first round, yeah, and like barely broke a sweat. Bobby Green went the distance with Nazar Akprast, yeah. So, he's got a, well, I, I, you're a massive Islam Makachev fucking little weeb. So Islam's gonna batter him. We, uh, we all, let's be realistic. We yeah, all, Islam's yeah. gonna him. I imagine Islam will batter him, but do you know what? Bobby Green I can hope... still do some good to his reputation, though. I just been a warrior no... in there. Yeah, no one expects him to beat Islam Makachev, really. Like, especially not on two weeks' notice. Um, it's yeah. uh, probably the worst style of fighter you could throw him in there with, like a, a pressure wrestler and a grappler. Like, that's not who. Bobby Green wants to go in there and fight at this stage of his career. He's doing it because he's a good company man, a good businessman. He wants to get paid, obviously. It's a great opportunity. If he goes in there, swings for the fences, you know what I mean? Tries to land some big shots on, on Islam, try to do some damage, try to wobble him, try to, you know, gain his respect that way. And yeah, if it's Islam's, I think, got what it takes, then come through and get and get the win. But at least Bobby Green can can you know give a good account of himself and, and gain some exposure for himself to set himself up with another decent fight down the line. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree. And um, yeah, and I think I think what we should do is to save save ourselves for next week. next week. Yeah, what a bad man. We're talking about yeah, his last fight, and then next yeah. week we're gonna talk about his next fight. Yeah, yeah, Bobby, real, real, but, real, real sick shit. Uh, yeah, real sick shit. You, stuff. Got any, you got a news for me? Yeah, so my news is not as 
uh, hype as yours is. But the first news article I think that we should probably touch on because everywhere right now is the Joe Rogan thing. Um, and obviously, I don't want to go into full detail on what he's said or what he's done, but what how it affects um, MMA and and that I think is what what we should stick to. And obviously, he's just not called he's not called the last card. He's not going to call the next card or the same, I believe. Um, and it just seems to be like we don't. I don't know how much we know about it, but f- it, is it a stance from the UFC that? Or is it a Joe Rogan there's, yeah, taking no, a bit of step back I, or whatever? I haven't heard an official line from the UFC. No. But obviously, Rogan doesn't do he doesn't do every show. He doesn't do no. I know he doesn't. But he's a big event. event. He does he the was, big events. But he was due to do this one as well. Which yeah, he, he wasn't going to miss the Adesanya fight by choice, unless in his head he's saying maybe if I just take step out for a little bit and then That's it, it cools it? down, I can step back in. Yeah. That's what it is. About it. It's a, Rogan and the UFC have got a very long association by all accounts. His relationship. I don't want to see him gone. I'm not saying I agree no. with with all the stuff he's saying because I know that. So I don't watch JRE on the regular, so I'm not exposed to it. The side of him I'm exposed to is the UFC commentator. So I don't know 100. And I'm not saying I believe anything he's saying in that. But it would be a shame to lose him in the UFC because he's a staple. He's been there since day uno, and he's good commentator regardless of his views and. Like the cancel culture these days is like, yeah, you might have said some things you don't like. Just let him get on with his job. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean the one the one company you can be fairly sure will not bow to cancel culture pressure is the UFC and Dana. Yeah. yeah. So like they were, you know, under huge pressure to cancel their shows and stuff during the pandemic, but instead they led the way in putting on events and putting on fights during the pandemic which turned out to be a good great business move from day hey, one of the best the things to watch. he's made yeah do you remember when yeah like you remember um ferguson against gaethje there was literally no other sport on and mm. everyone i know was watching that because it was just it was live sport even though it was on until five in the morning um everyone was watching it was a great business move and uh, yeah, you can be pretty sure that Rogan um, will commentate in the UFC again. So you I think it's probably just like a like a personal stepping out step of the fi- yeah, yeah, stepping out of the firing line for a little bit, let the situation calm down. Um, he's obviously apologized for for what he's done. I think yeah. you know people's opinions on certain issues change over time, but I think we can all agree now that that word is not you know it's not for white people to use basically. And yeah. You know, under it's, any circumstances, there's no circumstances in which it's acceptable to say. And as long as we can all agree on that, Rogan, you know, has said as much now, and he's and he's grown and learned. We have to give people the opportunity to to grow and learn. It wasn't, you know, if you listen to the context of the clips, you know, it wasn't said in a malicious way. It wasn't, you know, directed at someone in anger. Um, it was, you know, in the context it was on a podcast. It's too. ignorant. Yeah, it was an ignorant. Yeah, it's ignorant. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not on, and it's not something that that. I would do, but I, yeah, it, it, it's just ignorant and it's outdated. And I say it's not something that that we have domain over. So it's not, yeah. And, yeah. That, and that's all there is to it. I think it's, yeah, he, he doesn't deserve to have his career ended for it, for sure. So um, give it some time. And I suspect we'll see Rogan back in the UFC before too long. Yeah, people cool down about it over time and with the apologies and stuff, it is moving in the right direction. And you can separate a person and their two 
like maybe maybe you can argue that he shouldn't have a such a huge voice with the JRE, uh, but you can separate that from his but commentary. He, yeah, job he and, built that himself, man. He built his own platform. Yeah. That's and there's a certain undertone of there's nothing people can do about it. Like he built his own platform. He's one yeah. of these, the, the most popular podcaster in the world. If you know, if Spotify cancels his deal, he'll take it back to YouTube and he'll be in exactly the same position as he was before and have the exact same amount of influence. You know, the, the hardcore listeners of his podcast are going to follow him onto whatever platform they need to listen to it. So um, no matter how hard these these people try, that yeah, it's not going anywhere and, and they can't do anything about his platform. And ultimately, that's that's part of the issue is that he his platform can't be controlled. What he says isn't controlled. He, he says what he wants and he talks to the people that he wants and he asks them the things that he wants and, and nobody tells him otherwise. And that is part of the appeal of what he does as well, so... Spotify can't even really do anything about it either because they drop him, he just goes back to YouTube. And they've already, I'm assuming they've already paid him, you know, they'll be legally obligated to to whatever they've agreed to pay him over however many years and they're stuck into a contract. And, you know, all this content existed before. They've, you know, they bought the podcast they, that now exists on their platform. So like they're just as culpable, I guess, in that sense. So... Um, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's, just, it's a disappointing episode. It's a sorry thing to have to happen all around. But, um, yeah, at some point we'll have to draw a line under it and move on, I guess. Yeah, agreed. That was that was, that was was my last bit of news, apart from the fact Nate Diaz said... I think Nate Diaz said he was going to fight Dustin Poirier and then retire for good. Thought I might be worth touching on. Yeah, and apparently he's got one fight left on his UFC deal. That's what he says. I wouldn't be mad if it was Poirier. It'd be a pretty entertaining fact to see. I feel like I don't think he could win that being Nate, but it'd be a good one to see. So maybe look out for that one in the future. Have you got anything would else it, to speak about? Would it be a shame to see Nate Diaz retire without the Connor trilogy? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I, I didn't really think about that, to be honest with you, but um, to be honest with you, part of me is sick of Conor McGregor <laughs> as well. I don't really... I don't really I enjoy the fellow anymore. He kind of grates on me. I don't know if I want to see him back in there at all. Maybe that's just me. Fair enough. Yeah, I think either way, that'd be like, yeah, Nate Diaz brings violence and fun. So, you know, you're going to get at least. I wanted to bring one more bit of non-UFC news is recently announced Bellator um, April 15th show, two world title fights. They've got AJ McKee versus um, Patricio Pitbull, um, the rematch, and Vladimir Nenkov against Corey Anderson um, for that light heavyweight belt, which is probably, um, for those who may be less invested in Bellator, that's probably the two best fights Bellator could put on right now, and they've put them on together on the same card, which I think is a great move um, because I think a lot of... Um, more UFC centric fans will look at that and say, okay, that is a card that's worth investing time, money, energy in um, because I get to see two really high level title fights and then I'll, you know, we'll see what else is on the undercard as well. So I think that's a really good move um, by Bellator and that's going to be a couple of really interesting fights. Yeah, I love Pitbull. He's great, great to watch. So um, definitely tune in, tune into that one if you if you don't like Bellator already. I personally am not as cleared up in Bellator as I'd say you probably are. Um, I like the big dogs and I watch a few of the big dogs, but um, yeah, Bellator starting to put, put on big events isn't bad because uh, feeds back into the whole UFC monopoly thing. We're saying like the better Bellator gets, the better yeah. the sport gets. So 
Eagle FC on the rise as well. I think they've just announced Kevin Lee against Diego, Diego Sanchez um, show coming up as well. So like you say, um, good to have these these alternatives to the UFC. Um, good to see them grow and, and do well. And obviously, the yeah, the more organisations that we have, the more competition, the better really for the fighters. The pay is going to go up, the standard is going to go up, um, and there's going to be more high-quality fights for us to watch. Um, so, there is. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wins. Everyone wins indeed. But saying that, with saying that, should we talk about the UFC event this this weekend? Yeah, I suppose we should take a quick break. Really, should we give everyone at least thirty seconds where they don't have to listen to our grating northern dulcet tones? At least you don't have to speak. At least you don't have to listen to Ross. Like, like, yeah. just be grateful. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Actually, yeah. So yeah. Uh, that will. Uh, you definitely don't have to listen to Ross when you come back either. So we'll see you after this short break. And I think we'll have a hundred percent return because of that. We're back for part two of Octagon Odds, and we are just about to preview UFC Vegas 48, which is now Johnny Walker against Jamal Hill, was due to be Rafael Fazayev against Rafael Dos Anjos, um, but that has now been moved to UFC 272 co-main event. So instead, let's like say, we get Johnny Walker, number 10 ranked light heavyweight, going against Jamal Hill. Um, George, is this still a good main event? Has taken some of the gloss off this card, let's be honest. Um, yeah. Obviously, we've lost a lot of the star power from this card. Um, what do you make of this as a main event? Not too bad, to be fair. As, as all things going, like a Johnny Walker, Jamal Hill fight, it's not the worst UFC fight night headline that I've ever seen. Uh, obviously, it'd be better with the star power. But yeah, no, I, I can't complain. It should be a decent one, this one. I actually don't think it will be a bad fight. Johnny Walker's obviously a crazy guy. He'll bring it, and Jamal Hill's been reasonably impressive, so should be decent. Yeah, it should be a good striking match, really, this one, yeah. wouldn't you say? There's not, yeah. Um, I think there's not been many takedowns at all in their entire careers, has there? And between the two of them, they've landed one takedown in their combined 14 UFC appearances, so... This one is one lost on the feet, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what we're bound to see. Now, I do think Johnny Walker's probably going to come out different just because you've got to learn your lesson at some point. It's about it's probably about time. And that he like, like he'd learned his lesson, like patch some of the holes that he's got. Um, I remember when he was first coming up, he was tired, it's gonna be like the next big thing and stuff, but obviously he's falling off quite a bit. Jamal Hill's Jamal Hill's been up and down here and there, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards Jamal Hill. What, what about you? Yeah, I found it difficult in this one because obviously, like you said, there's everyone's always made a lot of Johnny Walker. And obviously he, he started his UFC career really strong with, with four consecutive wins. Uh, you know, you beat Killer Roundtree Jr., you beat Misha Serkinov. Um, and then he's in his last four, he's lost three. Um, obviously, Corey Anderson, which... To be fair, Corey Anderson's a dog, as we know. Obviously, no longer yeah. part of the UFC. We've just talked about it, but um, a dog. He lost a, a unanimous decision to Nikita Krilov. He came back and beat Ryan Spann, um, and then he beat Tiago Santos. But even in um, that Ryan Spann fight, he got dropped, and Spann was jumping on him, trying to get the finish, and somehow Walker ended up knocking him out from the bottom, basically. Um <laughs> And, and taking the win. So, like, even in the one that he won by KO in the first round, there was still, he still got dropped twice um, in, the in the first round. So there's definitely questions, I think, 
um, around Johnny Walker's chin. And what Johnny Walker always seems to do is he comes out very, very quickly um, in round one. Again, he did that against Ryan Spann. Not so much against Thiago Santos. Maybe that's part of a you know a reworked strategy just to work his way uh, into the fights. But like I say, against Spann, he came out very quickly, and that's what he normally does and, and tries to, to end it quickly. But if you can get Johnny Walker past round one and maybe even past round two and into round three, I think Jamal Hill is the, the better technical striker of these two. Um, like I say, I think as, as the fight goes on, we'll really see that come to the fore if it, if it does indeed go that far. Um, but yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Hill um, at the minute. Like you say, the only thing that worries me a little bit um, although Hills obviously he fought five rounds, I think once in his professional career, but he's never done so um, in the UFC. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares if it does go that far. Um, he's never been someone that you look at and say he could have cardio issues, um, but yeah. you just don't know how, especially someone like Hill, who's a very powerful striker um, and just possesses, you know, genuine knockout capability like will he be able to carry that through the course of the fight that's a question I think that we need to answer in this one yeah and it, um, it's a bit of an unknown again I feel like this one um, which we found a lot recently so it could go either way like I said Johnny Walker could come back and finally have learned a lesson will he have don't know different question different different question because the guy's a bit crazy um, so <laughs> no surprise if he comes out crazy again um, but Jamal Hill screams more like um like he that they're better at the basics um like when you yeah. break down a martial artist he's a better he's a better martial artist but johnny walker's probably got more like athleticism and like and it's like yeah. probably pull something crazy out of his locker which i think can surprise people like jamal hill um like sometimes these generic not saying he's generic but he's much more straightforward fighter they can get surprised by these crazy heads so Maybe that'll happen, but... Yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty um, impressed with Jamal Hill. Obviously, he's, he's only got one loss in the UFC, and that was against Paul Craig when um, officially it was a KO, TKO, but he was in... Um, his arm was snapped, wasn't he? He was trying to tap with a broken elbow, so he ended yeah. up getting finished by punches because he couldn't literally physically couldn't tap. But um, I think we've seen that that is Jamal Hill's... Um, potential weakness is against high-level wrestlers, um, against strong jiu-jitsu practitioners. That's where he's going to struggle. But I don't think that's something that's going to be a massive factor in this fight. I think this fight will probably play out kind of similar to the OSP fight, which, um, although you could probably say the win against Jimmy Crute was Jamal Hill's most impressive win, I think his most impressive performance um, was against OSP. Um, he came out... And he's got this kind of really strong striking base. And he just took a lot of reads in round one. He switched stances a lot, kind of worked out what was working for him, um, took some good reads. Um, and then, like, he ended up um, getting, I think he ended up knocking him down, at least, he knocked him down at least at the end, but I think he knocked him down once in the earlier rounds. But he just upped the volume in round two, switched the stances, really piled on the pressure and just ended up overwhelming OSP with strikes. Yeah. yeah. I think it was it was just that, you know, the high-level fighters that have, that have just got that good fight IQ uh -huh. when it's almost like they just use round one to get reads. But as soon as round two started, it was bang. The tempo went to another level. The output went to another level and he just overwhelmed OSP, who we know is an excellent striker as well. Yeah. 
No, definitely. Um, and that's part of the reason why I think he's the type of guy to beat Johnny Walker. Because uh, Johnny Walker, obviously, he's a great striker as well. We can't deny that. But Jamal Hill's got it in him, I think, to beat him. Um, so that's probably why that's, that's probably my call for that fight. Um, but uh, did you put any bets on this one? I find it difficult this one because the value here for me um, was Jamal Hill by decision. But like I say, the stats just simply don't really point in that direction, which is why I usually would base my bets on. Um, Johnny Walker's only been the distance in three out of 24 of his career fights, yeah. so that's only 12.5%, and he only has one win by a decision. Um, Jamal Hill's been the distance in four of his 10 professional fights. But interestingly, every time he's been the distance, he's ended up winning the fight. So I saw um, 11 to 2 for Jamal Hill as to take the decision as reasonable value, just because I think he, if he's going to be a contender, he'll also probably want to prove that he can go five rounds with a, a high level striker as, as Johnny Walker is. So I don't think he'll necessarily rush in and try and get a finish too early on. I think we could see probably not as high level, but similar to like the Adesanya Whitaker fight where it's it's a lot of a lot of striking, a lot of back and forth. Um, right. I can't see either of them really mixing in any takedowns or anything. Um, so I think as long as both of their chins stand up, particularly in Johnny Walker's case, um, then I'm going to take a punt on Jamal Hill by decision at 11-2 to two, um, just because I think it's good value. Yeah. Okay, no, I like that. And that's Jamal Hill by... Yeah, that's a bad decision, mate. Yeah. Okay, well, that that's that's pretty much exactly what I went with. I gambled on going by Johnny Walker, but I took Jamal Hill by decision, and I took Jamal Hill by... Give me a quick second. I just need to get the actual odds up. But I went for Jamal Hill by decision, the same as you did. And I also went Jamal Hill. I put another bet on the guy because I because I thought it sounded like good odds. And it's Jamal Hill to win in round one. You can get that bet boosted on William Hill for three to one. So, I mean, that's obviously a big if he wins in round one. But yeah. if, he, if he wins in round one and he wins the fight, I'm winning myself a double bet. So... Johnny Walker's type of guy to put himself into in in the in the trouble <laughs> to get us out in round one. Yeah. So, like I say, yeah. it usually comes out fast in round one. So, um, yeah, it could definitely happen. But yeah, for me, I think that we're going to see quite yeah similar to the OSP sort of performance from from Jamal Hill. He's going to take some reads early on, um, yeah. and he's he's going to switch stances regularly. Okay? Try and find out what works best for him. You know, is it right hook from southpaw? You know, is it yeah. is it left straight from orthodox? He's going to figure all that out um, in real time and put it all together. Um, and yeah, just uh, just outperform Johnny Walker, I think. And I think they'll see the bell, but none of the stats point that way. So I don't know why I think yeah. they will. Yeah, no, I, I, I've got a feeling this is going to be a finish. So I've no I've no preference. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put three to one on round one, Jamal Hill, and I'm also gonna put the Jamal Hill by decision. So statistically that that's what it points to is at least. But don't let me down, lesson. Jamal, because I'm putting two bets on you this week. And I think that is the first time I've put two bets, apart from Cody Garbrandt, where I lost big. I put two bets on fire. So 
I've been dithering myself time. about putting the decision out for Jamal Hill. I could have had it at eleven. To, I could have had it at eleven to two earlier in the week, but yeah. I'm getting it. I'm getting it at nine to two right now. I've convinced myself, so I'm putting it on live on Octagon Odds. That's the bet place. Jamal Hill to win my decision at nine to two. It's in that live betting on the show. We'll obviously do gamble responsibly. Um, yeah, it's just just a five pound, just a five pound bet for me. That's all I usually bet on man. Five pound, five pound a pop. Um, obviously it's ten units bet on the show, but yeah. So that's so that's the main event covered. Um, there's a few other fights that that I want to briefly run through. Um, in the co-main, weirdly at capped weight, 195 pounds. Carl Dorcas um against Jamie Pickett. If I'm right, this was supposed to be Carl Dorcas against Julian Marquez. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether Marquez was injured. I'm assuming he was. Um, but he, I couldn't find, even find out online why Marcus was pulled from the fight, but he's out and in comes um, Jamie Pickett, who is, yeah, a decent striker, um, only four UFC appearances um, for him before. Um, obviously, yeah, Dorcas has got more UFC experience, but Pickett is a slightly more experienced fighter. George, what do you think on this one? How do you see that? Are you looking forward to seeing Carl Dorcas back in action? I am, but I'm not too not to put Jamie Pickett in a box, but I'm not too excited to see him against Jamie Pickett. Um for me, Dorcas is like, I mean, it's I think he's quite good. And I think we're gonna see like we're gonna see him like like do well over the next few years. And Jamie Pickett's not bad, but I think this is just a bit of a oh the fight we wanted to happen couldn't happen. Let's just mm. like Let's just give Jamie, let's just give him to, to Jamie Pickett. And obviously Dorcas has had like I think Dorcas has had a unique amount of cancelled fights. Um and like um like he had a draw, he had a cancelled fight, I'm sure. So he had a no I'm, obviously the no contest with Kevin Holland in his last yeah, fight. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, head, yeah, of course. From the headbutt, obviously it would have been yeah. a win. Yeah. Um I think he tapped he tapped Holland out in the end, didn't he? But yeah. Upon review after the fight, they saw the clash of heads, which significantly yeah. altered the income. And, 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 and then before that, him. before that, he had a cancelled fight. So the guys probably look like thinking, right, I need to just batter someone here. So it's uh, probably going to come out well. And like you said, Dorcas probably would have beat Holland. Um, so I rate Holland a lot. And Obviously, his, his wrestling's not all there, but the guy's a pretty good fighter, so you can call that like a decent performance on Dorcas's record. And obviously, Pickett's a replacement, so I can only really see this going one way, and that's a Dorcas win. Um, yeah. So I've actually bet on the, I've actually bet on this one as well. I don't know if you have. He needs a win, really, though, doesn't he, Dorcas? Obviously, um, he's had, like you say, as well as the cancellations in his fight in his four UFC appearances so far, he's had two losses, a no contest, and one win. Um, so he really needs to get himself a, a win. So I think let's call it a little bit of favourable matchmaking on Dana's side by bringing yeah. in Jamie Pickett, who no slouch by any means. Um, he actually nope. had th- he actually had three cracks at the Contender Series before he was successful in getting a contract. He was in the first season of the Contender Series, the third season before oh, finally yeah. in the fourth series of the Contender Series, he got a win, a TKO win. Um, against John Oven Patty and was given a contract, and uh, that was back in 2020. Then he came into the UFC um, and he and he started his UFC career with back-to-back losses um, against Tafonda Chui and uh, Jordan Wright, who we rate. Jordan Jordan Wright's a very good fighter, 
Um, so took two losses then, went away, kind of, we're thinking, you know, is this somebody who's got a long-term future in the UFC? He comes back in a few months later um, against Loriano Staropoli. And really, he's a good striker, Jamie Pickett, and it's traditionally more of a striking base. But he started to mix in the wrestling um, a little bit more in those two fights. So, yeah, it ends up getting a, a unanimous decision win over Loriano Staropoli. And then he comes back and gets another decision win, again, mixing in the wrestling, mixing in the takedowns against Joseph Holmes, which is probably the biggest win of his career. Um, to date so he's actually coming into this one on back-to-back UFC wins um, so there is some momentum behind him like I say he's he's starting to lean on his wrestling a little bit more um, he's landed you know four takedowns in his last two fights compared with uh, just one in the previous three before that so it's something he's leaning on a little bit more so I'd expect him to possibly um, try and try and do so here. It's a catch weight fight, 195 pounds. So I expect they're both going to come in um, a little bit bigger. So it'd be interesting to see how big um, both men come in. But yeah, it's it's not going to be a cut and shut deal for Kyle Dorcas, I don't think. Um, but I'm leaning towards Dorcas. I think, like you say, Dorcas has had a better level of competition. Um, and I think he's he's got a better trajectory and a slightly brighter future um, than Pickett. So I've I've gone Dorcas to win by decision um, in this one, eight to five, because aside from the no contest with Kevin Holland, the, his other four UFC appearances have all gone to decision. Um, so I see this one, as long as Pickett's chin stands up and everything, I see this one going the distance. That's a fair decision. I've got, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry, am I boring you, George? No, you're not. I'm just really, really tired. I've had a busy week. Um, not really. Yeah. Anyway, that's not well, it's not about me. It's not about me. <laughs> Talk to me about um, Kyle Dorcas, Jamie Pickett. You got a bet? What? Talk to me. Yeah, I've got a bet. My bet. I've got. I've got interesting bets. But fair. Um, I know you've mentioned that you think it's probably like a like a distance fight. Um, which I imagine you're probably right. Like Dorcas hasn't shown me anything to make you think he'd be able to do this. Um, but I just think with the last minute replacement and the fire that's going to be under Dorcas and the fact that he's like missed out on a few uh, opportunities recently that have just been out of pure like bad luck, like the cancelled fight and the headbutt, like who could predict that? The guy's going to come out uh, fighting. So Kyle Dorcas to win in rounds two to three, it's 10 to three. And I've done that because I don't think he's going to take it in the first round, but I think that's an excellent bet. That's an excellent yeah. bet, George. I really like that. Yeah, ten to three, and I think that's quite good odds. Uh, so, yeah, that's how no, I, I like that's how I see the fight going as well. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, okay, moving on because this is a stinker of a fight. Obviously, again, <laughs> we mention it every single week. Dana's throwing a heavyweight banger together in the hope that one of them sleeps the other. Um, but this is a real stinker, really. It's Parker Porter against Alan Badeau um, at heavyweight. Um, no disrespect to either fighter, um, but we've, we've seen, you know, Parker Porter's been around for a long time, in and out of the UFC, um, kind of never really shown um, kind of elite potential. Um, Alan Badeau, um, hasn't won a fight properly since May 2018. Um, even the de- the disqualification win um, that he did get, um, I'm just looking at his record against, uh, that was against Yuto Nakajima. Uh, sorry, against Todd Stout, sorry. Um, he got a DQ win in 2019. Um, he was submitted even in that fight, and then it was overturned 
later and instead of just calling it a no contest he was awarded the win for some reason um so yeah he hasn't won inside the the octagon proper since may 2018 um so it's not a massively high level fight this one but it yeah doesn't necessarily mean it'll be a bad fight does it no and they can they they go they go two ways these heavyweight fights these unknown ones they're either both really really shit and he's boring or one of them gets knocked out. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. Not that I wish harm on anybody, but fingers crossed it's the second one because we love a knockout. <laughs> we do. It's uh, there's a few knockouts here and there with these yeah. two in their records. But it's mixed, so. isn't it? Like Parker Portal record. He's got, weirdly, he's got KOs, he's got decisions. He's even got a win by Kamora, mate. Yeah. <laughs> against Kevin Races. But he actually moves. Parkport moves pretty well for a guy this Yeah, size, he's so. not slow. Like he's not. No, no, slow, he slips. He, he slips. Yeah. We're talking about slips. Like he slips pretty well. Um, and he yeah. did quite well in his last win against Chase Sherman, who we saw. But, quite a few but does ago. he have the gas tank for it? Because no, that's why I'm going to not... touch on. Is that even against Chase Sherman, he slipped and moved well in round one, and then they both they both tired fairly significantly in round two and round yeah. three. Were a lot slower. Um, so I could see that sort of thing happening again. Yeah. But Porter does also mix in the wrestling as well. He's a very heavy yeah. guy. So he can kind of just sort of lie on people and, and weigh them down and, and try and get ground and power from there. And he loves to throw in a Kimura. Um, so yeah. any opportunity to do that, he'll, he'll probably try as well. So we could see him try and, um, you know, especially after round one, maybe mix in a few extra takedowns. As for Alan Badeau, um, I've thrown a bit of disrespect his way, but um, yeah, he's just not a particularly highly rated fighter. Um, even in his in his last fight, which was a no contest against um, Rodrigo Nascimento, he was he got pe- he got absolutely pieced up on the feet and dropped. I think once, maybe twice on the feet. Um, and um, Nascimento is a jiu-jitsu specialist, so it doesn't bode well for Alan no. Bado. Um, whatsoever. The only other point that I had to make on Alan Bado is um, if you've not seen it already, go back and watch the uh, the Dausha Lungan uh, Bula fight. Um, he gets absolutely decimated with our hands. <laughs> he gets he gets I'll properly, I can't picture. properly slept uh, by Dausha nice. Lungan Bula. Um, That's what we do it for. That's what we watch it for. Yeah, exactly. Violence. So, Although Parkport not massively there on the KO on the KOs, his last two, he's on a two-fight win streak. Um, both of them came by decision against Chase Sherman and Josh Parisian. Uh, and then he had a loss to Kyle Dorcas's brother Chris Dorcas um, via KO um, in his first UFC appearance, which a little bit being fed to the dogs, I suspect. Um, I think he took that one took that one on short notice, I believe. Stepped in on short notice and, and ended up getting slapped by Chris Dorcas. But um, those were his yeah, most recent three UF, UFC appearances. And uh, Alan Bordeaux, mate, talk about being thrown to the dogs on your first UFC appearance. Tom Aspinall in his first UFC yeah. appearance, mate. Yeah, it's um, tough. tough. Lost by KOTKO. By How weird is that, yeah. though, that he came into the UFC off the back of a disqualification win against Todd Stout? Where he actually got submitted. Yeah. So Dana signed him up. How weird is that? Yeah. That is weird. It's not very Dana Whiteish, that is it? No. But, um... Super odd. The thing the thing for Badeau is he like he's a really long fighter with good rage. Like he's a big guy. Um and just 
theoretically, like you think he should be pretty good at like using his range. And maybe he will get good. He's just maybe not very good at just not very good at doing it. No. <laughs> it's a shame for him. Like he's got the. He's just not very. He should be good. He's just not. <laughs> yeah, he should be good at like controlling yeah. a fight from range, but for some reason he just comes in too close and gets tries to fight on the inside. And like I said, it sounds he, like you favouring Porter here. Would you right. say you are? I am favouring Porter, but absolutely do not bet on this fight. So you're t- not touching this with a, with a, with a 10 foot pole. Don't I'm the because, same. Yeah. As so often happens with these heavyweight bangers, you could put days and days of research into it, and then yeah. one, of them could, one of them could flat land the with a big punch. Yeah, and then Terry Lewis like, gets knocked out. Yeah. yeah, Alan Bado could land a very good punch on Parker Porter and put him to sleep. Or in head. your case, Cyril Garland's the best heavyweight of all time, and all of a sudden he's not. <laughs> all that I didn't say I never said he was the best I never said he was the best heavyweight of all time I said he oh, no no sorry I, I should have said the best alive did he or did he not peace and did he not peace and garner with the feet did he did he or did he not this, this is the sound of Adam's theory evaporating into the atmosphere just answer me the question did did Cyril Garn outstrike Francis and Garner to the point that Francis and Garner decided that he needed to wrestle let's define outstruck he won, the, he won the first two rounds by outstriking his opponent. That's what I mean by outstruck. And, and in the third round, and Garner then had to go to the wrestling in order to save his victory. This is your. This is you saying. Um, uh, I can't. Next week, what is it you said? You said something along the lines of, "Oh, isn't it crazy that next week, Cyril um, Garner's going to be the new heavyweight?" Listen, we've all made mistakes. Yeah, we I'm both saying... agreed. We both agreed that Amanda Nunes would still be bantamweight champion as we sit here, and that there was no chance of Juliana Pena walking out of UFC 269 with the belt. And what happened? Yeah, and that again. MMA is a funny sport, mate. These things are unpredictable, yeah, a... and that is why I would not bet on Parker Porter against Alan Bado. Just don't save yourself right. some money. With that said, should we quickly cover the other two fights on the main card, um, which is Jim Miller versus Nicholas Motta and Joaquin Buckley versus Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Um, we'll start with Jim Miller and Nicholas Motta's lightweight fight. What do you reckon? Um, a tough welcome to the UFC um, for Nicholas Motta, who oh, is... too right. He's an experienced yeah. veteran that he's going up against. Yeah, obviously... Um, a legend of the game, Jim Miller. Nobody has more UFC appearances than his 38. Only Charles Oliveira um, and Damian Meyer have more submission wins in the UFC um, than Jim Miller. We he's a dog he's... as well. Yeah, yeah, mate. And he's been he's been welcoming these new guys to the division for I feel like the last decade. Like if and if you look to his record, like some of the net, he's fought everyone, like literally everyone, man. Nate Diaz, he's fought Nate at some point, didn't he? Charles Oliveira, Benson Henderson, Nate Diaz, um, Dustin Poirier, Anthony Pettis, Francisco Trinaldo, Dan Hooker. He's fought Oliveira twice. Um, yeah, like, and then even more recently, like he, he yeah, do you remember the Clay Gaida fight from 2019? Yeah. That was a banger. Um, that was that was super fun, um, and then yeah, but he's been around forever. But Nicholas Motta is very very good. By the way, is striking. I don't really know very, much about him. His striking is really really um, highly thought of. 
Um, and he's had a good run in uh, Cage Fury, um, and it's his first UFC appearance since graduating from a contender series. Um, but yeah, before that, he, he had a decent run um, in Cage Fury, but his striking is really, really good. And like he should be coming in here looking for a potential like TKO win. Like he's powerful, crisp striker. Movement is good. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him because um, it's a it's a good opportunity for him actually because it's not it's not very often that you get a fighter with the name value of Jim Miller on a UFC debut. So it's a good opportunity yeah. for him to put in a good performance against a, a legend of a game and sort of maybe get people talking about him with a good performance. Yeah, 100%. And also not to disrespect Jim Miller, but it's like, that's a name that you can say was probably better back in the day, but he's still a name that carries weight. So you can get a win against him and you still... Uh, yeah, I just thought we lot. were... It looked like we were winding down to the end of Jim Miller, didn't it? Like yeah, he obviously uh, he seemed impressive in his last fight. So Yeah, that's what I mean. And then he just bounced back and, and gets a, a good win against Eric Gonzalez. It's one of them guys... He's one of them Cub Swanson kind of guys where he's yeah. like, he's always going to be able to win a fight, but not maybe consistent enough or at the level of the top guys. But in his Donny's day, he could, be, he could beat him. Yeah. And a bit of MMA math. Fancy a bit of MMA math? I don't believe in MMA math, but I'll let you, let you see a piece. But it is a thing. It doesn't always work out, as we know. Again, no, and it, it usually doesn't make sense because if you go deep enough, it's like, yeah. We'll go. As we'll always, tell you what. We'll do. We'll, we'll do. We'll do a segment on MMA maths at some point. No fight. No two fights are the same. I think that's no. the problem with MMA maths. But it's matchups. Just um, last year in 2021, um, Jim Miller lost the unanimous decision to Joe Selecki. Back in 2018, our man Nicholas Moss got himself a TKO win against Joe Selecki, which would lead you to think that he would win. But if you follow MMA maths. Which doesn't always work out, but usually I th- I wouldn't I would stop with the doesn't sometimes I would say usually doesn't work out. Okay. Well, sometimes it does work out though. Yeah, sometimes it does work out. I believe it's all matchups, and the people of the world's best make themselves a different difficult matchup for everyone. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, Styles make fights as well as they say. Yeah, exactly. So we've seen in the past that usually a wrestler can be a striker if the two disciplines are con- like contradicting each other. So if one person's a great wrestler and one person's a bad striker, a great striker but a bad wrestler, the wrestler usually seems to come out on top. But um, these days, people are training in MMA, aren't they? And coming up, and they know MMA as a full thing, which is which is pretty cool to see. So yeah, I think you've touched on a good point that. It's a, it's a clash in styles. Like I say, um, Nicholas Moth is a, a very good striker um, and Jim Miller is obviously more of a submission specialist, more of a grappler. Obviously, we mentioned that only two men in, in UFC history have got more um, UFC submission wins than Jim Miller's um, 11. So if he is able to get Motta to the ground, um, it'll be interesting what Motta does have on the ground. He does have a, a submission loss on his record, I believe. Um, so yeah, there's potential weaknesses there. Um, so I don't think it's going to be an easy fight for Nicholas Motta. Um, but I'm just yeah interested to see how how he does. The any bets? Thing, um, I'm just looking. I don't think I've got any bets on this. Um, oh, I haven't. I've got it 
in an accumulator, but only for distance. Um, I've gone for over 2.5 rounds on this one. Um, 10 out of 14 of Jim Miller's losses have come via decision. Um, and four out of 12 of Mott's career wins have come via decision. Um, he's, Mott has never lost a fight which went the distance. Um, all of Miller's last three losses have come by decision, which was sort of pointing me towards Motta by decision, but I wasn't really brave enough to take it on because I feel like if the fight does go the distance, that favours Miller because it probably means he's got a hold of him at some point and got him to the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I've just stayed away. I, I'm, 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 I think Thiago Motta could get a KO T KO, but I'm not brave enough to, to actually bet it. So I've gone... Um, Dorcas and Pickett over 2.5 rounds um, and Miller and Motta over 2.5 rounds and the other fight which we've not mentioned is Buckley and Al-Hassan which have gone under 2.5 rounds on that one um, for 3.3 to 1 That leads us nicely into, into Buckley versus Al-Hassan so have you got any thoughts about that? Obviously Joaquin Buckley yeah. he's up and down um, he's had some good wins and obviously he had one of the most impressive knockouts we've ever seen um, me personally, anyway, um, and obviously Al Hassan, like he's been up and down too. He's had some big losses against like Chaos Williams, um, yeah. So Nico, he won against Nico Price. Yeah, yeah he beat Nico. Nico yeah, he knocked out Nico Price. I think he knocked out Nico Price in round one, didn't he? Both of those are considered to be good fighters. So it's. I think that's his best form, isn't it? Um, the Nico yeah. Price win is definitely his best form. Yeah, round one, Tico, forty-three seconds in. Chaos um, Williams is nothing to be scoffed at either. So interesting this one. You mentioned um about Buckley's um KO um against the Chiri- um I've completely lost my point here, but um it was the Al Hassan is also coming into this one on the back of a big head kit knockout against Yeah, he is, Alessio. yeah. So yeah, so Alessio de Chirico um got a massive head kick knockout against Joaquin Buckley. Yeah, he did. And, then, and that was the fight after Joaquin Buckley's knockout, wasn't it? Yeah. And then the fight after for Dashiriko, um, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan knocked him, knocked Dashiriko out with a big head kick. So um, it's come a bit full circle, this one. Maths head again. kicks. So watch out. Yeah, that's very, that's a juice MMA maths that time. Um, but it's going to be that's a swanger. Like, that's like MMA Pythagoras theorem, was what that yeah, was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be swanger and banger this one. We know that Buckley can be explosive. Um, both of these guys are known for, for standing and banging. Um, so it should be all action. This, this, aside from the weight, this should be Dana's heavyweight banger. It should be higher up the card. Should have put it at number three because they're just going to go out there and swing for the fences. That's what Joaquin Buckley does um, in all of his fights. Like I can't see this one going the distance purely because I don't see how either of them are going to be able to swang and bang as hard as they are going to swang and bang for a full three rounds. Um, so I do think one of them is going to sleep. Um, the thing that I sort of looked at was like what Buckley's got this kind of like real traditional boxing style. And he likes to, to duck and weave and bob um, and then try and land like, you know, duck in and land bigger overhand rights. He's proper, mm-hmm. proper ducker and weaver. Um, yeah. And obviously sometimes it works out pretty well for him. Like he can land bigger. But sometimes it plays against him because he's ducking into things. Yeah, yeah. If you can time that, if you can time that duck um, like Alessio de Chirico did with the head kick 
um, then you can have like explosive success. But Kevin, when he fought Kevin Holland, Kevin Holland just counted it with a very straight left. Like he just landed the straight left all night. And obviously the straight left is going to get there before the overhand right. So they were getting into these exchanges. Buckley would duck. Holland was in with the straight left and ultimately like just outpointed him um, through that. So it'd be interesting to see if Al Hassan is a able to time a big shot, a knee, an elbow, something on Buckley while he's ducking in. Or like I say, if he just sits there with the straight left and, and works away at him and, and tries to outpoint him. Um, so that I think from a technical point of view will be an interesting part of the fight. Yeah, that I hundred percent agree with that. And I think that was, that one's gonna be like a contender for fight of the night. Oh, it's got uh, fight of the night written all over it. Yeah, maybe knockout of the night as well. Uh, so Dana's probably there's probably gonna be a bonus there. So keep an eye on that one. It's a good one to watch. Um, but I haven't got any personally got any singles on that one, and I've got no ackers, so I think we've covered all mine. Have you got anything else? Um, I've got a selection on this one, um, not outright, just again in bets. Um, I'm going to take um, I'm going to take Abdul Razak Al Hassan because he's currently the underdog, but the two to three favorite Al Hassan sixteen to eleven um, outsider at the minute. Um, but I see it a little bit closer. I mentioned about a technical deficiency maybe on Joaquin Buckley. Like I say, traditional boxing doesn't really throw many kicks either. Doesn't really mix, so he's very kind of fist orientated I know he's famous for a big head kick knockout but he actually doesn't throw that many kicks um, in his fights um, what's interesting for Al Hassan is he's sort of jumped between 170 and 185 and now he's settled on 185 um, he moved up at, he fought Chaos Williams who we know is obviously um, got a lot of potential um, and then he moved up to 185 after that and then he had to hit a bit of a roadblock against Jacob Malkoon um, but then since then um, he got that win against Alessio de Chirico. So there's a bit of a losing streak behind him. But I think we've seen, like I said, we mentioned the Nico Price win. And we've seen that Al Hassan is capable of, of mixing it with high-level guys. Like Nico Price is seriously high-level guy, man. Um, so we've seen that he's that he is able to mix it with those guys. Um, so I'm thinking that we could see a bit of a return um, to form for Al Hassan, and just to speak to the fact that this one doesn't go the distance, these two have got 21 career KO TKO wins between them and only mm. three decisions. Um, Al Hassan has never won by decision or submission, all 11 of his wins have come by KO TKO. Um, and then Buckley, um, again, I think he has what one decision win, oh, sorry, he has three decision wins, technically. So, what you're saying is. It's going to go to decision because MMA doesn't make sense. Yeah, and because we've put money on it not going to decision. Yeah, it's going to decision. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've already told you that 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 treble of mine. So it's under two point five rounds for Buckley and Al Hassan. Okay. Over two point five rounds for Jim Miller and Nicholas Motta, and over two point five rounds for Kyle Dorcas and Pickett. And there's no hackers for me, so I've already been over my my um, my bets. That's all. That's for me for, for the whole thing. Is there any other fights you want to talk about? Run me through the, the bets in full then. Okay, so let's talk about number one. So number one, we've got um, Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill, which I took Jamal Hill on um, in two bets. Jamal Hill by decision. Um, no, it was Jamal Hill to win, I believe. Is that what you've taken, Jamal Hill to I've win? I've taken Jamal Hill by decision. And that's decision. Yeah. yeah, so I was going to take Jamal Hill by decision and also Jamal Hill to win round one, which is three to one. So one of those is going to come in, one of them's not. So either way, I'm losing the tenner if Jamal Hill wins, which I need him to. 
Um, I'm pretty confident he will. And then I've got Dorcas to win in rounds two to three, which is a 10 to three. Um, and then I have Jamal Hill and Dorcas both to win by uh, finish. And that is four to one. And I think that is me. That is all I've got. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, only four bets for me. I've just been through the over the over unders, which has been pretty successful on the over unders in the last few weeks. Hopefully that can stick to that trend. I've got Dorcas to win by decision at eleven to eight. I've got Jamal Hill to win by decision at nine to two, and I've gone for the Al Hassan, Parker Porter, Dorcas, and Jamal Hill quadruple to win at five to one. So yeah, I like just, it. Four, just four bets for me this week. I like it. So we've got a bit more simple this week because of how crazy it was um, yeah. last week and, and the fact that we none of us did that well. So I think we've all got a bit safe this week, apart from Ross, who just didn't turn up, which is... Well, that, that's very safe, to be fair. That's super safe. The Ross. safest Gu- you could be, yeah. Guarantee no losses this week um, from yeah. Ross. But I guess um, that's us, man. I guess all that's left to do is just obviously remind everyone to, to gamble responsibly, not to... Um, bet outside of their means only bet what you can uh, afford to lose um, and yeah just ask anyone who is listening to the show enjoyed the show let us know what you thought in the comments on Apple or Spotify or SoundCloud wherever you're listening um, go ahead and, and follow us on socials uh, Octagon Odds Octagon underscore Odds on Twitter um, I think that's it George any any last words I'm, 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 I'm hoping there might be a fact somewhere. A fact oh, yeah, see, I came prepared this time, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Oh, finally. Um, we're we're going to be consistent with these facts now. Uh, I just wanted to add, add before we do this that, yeah, as Adam said, any share, any like, anything that you can do for us on social media is massive and it helps. If you enjoy the show and enjoy what we say, even though, it's mo- a lot of it might be waffle and we're not always perfect, but I think that's what makes us, what makes us interesting. So anything that you can do to support us is massive and it goes a long way to um, pushing the show. So that's massive. Um, moving on to the fact. And this is quite, uh, it's quite interesting one this time. I feel like I, 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 I found one for this one. I wasn't just scrambling. Um, and yeah. you, you can actually, so you can actually hear a blue whale's heartbeat from two miles away. Because of how big it is, isn't that crazy? So the interesting part about it, though, is that it only beats every. Uh, it only beats ten times per minute. So, if you're ever under the water and you hear a, you just the blue whale's heartbeats from two miles away. Uh, that was a good fact, George. Yeah, and you didn't, but you didn't know that one, did you? No, I didn't. Um, that was a good fact. You've set the um, you've set the bar pretty low in recent weeks. I've got to say. So yeah. it's good that you've brought a higher standard of fact today. I think what happened was is I set the bar high with the dick bomb one because that was great. And then yeah. I forgot that I was doing it at all. And then you reminded me the week later and then I gave you a shit fact. And then the week after that, I think I even gave you a shit fact. And then I realised that, like, yeah, I need to make need a to fact. So you don't put me on the spot. I look like an idiot. I look like an idiot most of the episodes. So I need to look smart for a little bit at the end. So we've gone for that. That's well, hopefully neither of us are going to look like idiots next week when we're we're rolling in profit. You know when Jamal Hill wins by decision. When Jamal Hill wins by knockout or decision, not um, knockout decision. And 
Dorcas wins in round two or three, and uh, no, I'll be no, happy. Bad, bad decision again, but yeah, great. Thanks very much for listening. Once again, you've been listening to Octagon Odds UFC Vegas 48 preview. Thanks very much for listening, and please do join us again next week where we'll be previewing Islam Makachev against Bobby Green. All change. Maybe it won't even be that main event this time next week. Who knows? But... Maybe it'll be in Gali versus Islam Makachev. <laughs> yeah, I, think, well, I know where my money's on that one. Islam Makachev. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait for an Islam fight. But that's next week. We've got USC Vegas 48. Before then, you've been listening to Octagon Odds. Thank you and good night.